the shot. Welcome to Who Kicked the Corner Flag, Kansas City's English soccer game show podcast. I'm your host, James Rose, and today I'm joined with the leader of the KC Spurs fan group, the man who thinks Leicester should be spelt differently and who believes Wenger needs to sign a new contract. Wenger in. It's Gerard Bustamante. How are you, bud? Wenger in indeed. I am well. How are you, sir? I'm just great. And from the red side of the table, he's the chairman of the Arsenal Casey fan group, the man who's recovering from his weekend of LA's finest beer offerings, and who thinks Lorente needs to practice his goal-scoring techniques. Wowzer. It's Boyce Richardson. How are you, bud? You know, just fresh off of a weekend, cheering on my new favorite player, uh, Mr. Cannon from the Rochdale Dales. <laughs> The Dale of the Roach. Good times. Uh, since we're running a slightly shorter episode this week, we're going to temporarily revert back to our top three. Boyce, you kick us off this week. So what do you think made the list? <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Pep's glorious, glorious response in the Manchester City Wigan mash. That would be absolutely correct. Yes, that'll get you the three points. Manchester City are no longer en route for the quadruple as they're stunned by the Wigan Lactics once again. Final score, 1-0 Wigan. Um, yes, game's biggest moment, uh, well, two perhaps moments, the red card incident for the reckless challenge from Delft and Pep Guardiola's half-time antics. So, boys, give us your breakdown of the match. Do you think it was a correct call from the referee? Do you think Pep should have reacted that way from all of that incident? You know, it's one of those situations where Pep, I think through force of personality, manages to differentiate himself from Jose Mourinho on a few levels. But... He is equally as prone at certain times for histrionics and ridiculous behavior on the pitch. Mm -hmm. I thought everything about the way that Pep behaved himself this weekend for the Man City match against Wigan was poor. Uh, Everything from his response to what was clearly a red card on Fabian Delph to his ridiculous behavior in the tunnel to... His comments after the match, talking about the fact that Wigan only scored on their one opportunity on goal. Well, congratulations, Pep. You played a team that shot 100% on goal. I don't, you know, it's one of those situations where I think he wants to operate in this sphere since Manchester City throws around cash at such high levels and splurges all over the place that he is in somehow in a better position than anyone else to dictate how matches should go. And the reality of the situation was the fact that Manchester City weren't very good on Monday and that Wigan played the exact match that they were supposed to. And we're not talking about a team that's in the Premier League. It's one of those situations where it always cracks me up when Pep wants to talk about how other teams from lower divisions should come out against Manchester City, who have spent all kinds of money Mm -hmm. on world-class players from all over the place and then dictate that they need to come out and play an offensive game against Manchester City, who have some of the best offensive players in the world. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I was trying to find it before the podcast, but I wasn't able to do so. Uh, The Wigan fan account that did the roses are red, violets are blue thing, where it talks about 
uh, one of their players being on fire, just like Manchester City's quadruple hopes, was <laughs> yeah. absolutely amazing and uh, certainly deserves some sort of Twitter award, especially in response to the way that Pep behaved all weekend. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that's a good summary. Yeah, um, Jared, we're going to have now beat City. Three times in six different meetings in this FA Cup. Would you believe that? Um, do we think Wigan have got the power from the performance that they put in to go on and maybe even win this thing? Or is that a bit of an exaggeration? I mean, this is the FA Cup. Uh, this is what it is all about. Uh, and it's so funny. Uh, I think, uh, you know, you go back maybe a month, month and a half ago, and you have uh, Pep Guardiola, you know, as a champion of this is the spirit of the FA Cup. Uh Small clubs coming in, getting a shot, uh, and uh, getting results. And it was great as a Spurs supporter to see this happen because this wasn't a uh, a toothless Manchester City squad. Uh, I mean, this was a uh, uh, Sergio Aguero, Kevin De Bruyne came in, Kyle Walker came in, and ironically was responsible for the goal, uh, uh, at least the giveaway. This was a strong Man City side that was looking to win. And uh, at this point, you're a dragon slayer. And this is what the FA Cup is all about. Uh, this is you ride that momentum and you ride that wave. So uh, that, maybe. <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> maybe. You, you, you can't say no. Can't say no. Never say no. Um, my apologies for the interruption. I have found the Wigan fan page Twitter thing. Awesome. It says, are red, Wigan is blue, Will Griggs on fire. Your quadruple is two. <laughs> That's pretty oh, great. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> and by the way, all all credit to uh, Will Griggs. Uh, what a class finish uh, from mm-hmm. that end. Uh, two touches and back of the net. Uh, absolutely great finish. Uh, right, let's move on then. Uh, Jared, we're over to you. We have second and third spots still to guess. So what do you think? Yeah, you know what we're going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Spurs just... Uh, God, uh, just insisting on a replay at Wembley once again against Rochdale. Gotta love Spurs replays at Wembley. Yes, that uh, got second spot. Rochdale's bizarrely beautiful equaliser against a vastly changed Spurs side triggers another Wembley replay. Final score being two to two. Um, Jared, Spurs seems to do better against stronger opposition. I mean, they've just come off a wicked run against Man United, against Arsenal, getting that tie against Juventus. But for some bizarre reason, they seem to not bring their A game when it comes down to these lower league teams. So what can they do, uh, if anything? And uh, today we saw that the pitch was relayed, so that can't really be an excuse. So what can this team do to to really put these games to bed comfortably? I haven't the foggiest. Uh, I don't know (laughs) if it's a mentality issue. I don't know if it's a... uh, With Mauricio, I... Very, very much doubt it's a preparation issue. Uh, I I can't imagine how uh, how frustrated he is. Um, and you look at uh, uh, the just errors that led to the two Rochdale goals. I mean, my goodness, you have uh, uncharacteristic out of position defending by Toby Alderweireld to keep I, I I don't know Joe Rochdale on side to score. Uh, <laughs> And then Alan Rochdale comes on the back end after a uh, you know a, just a flicked header, header to the backside and he scores mm. uh, in stoppage time to force you know the to force the replay. I'm 
I don't know. I mean, there was certainly a change in mentality, a change in shape uh, when Harry Kane came on. Fernando Llorente, um, as uh, you know, big that big target striker hold, uh, for hold up play just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, you saw a, a squad that sorely missed Christian Eriksen. Having Toby Alderweireld back, uh, while great, you had Danny Rose back. I think Danny Rose actually played pretty well. Mm. Um, uh, and was just, they, they had, uh, Dale had a, a game plan for him and that was hit Danny Rose hard and often. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 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 they succeeded in that, but my goodness, I, I don't know other than just, I, I, can we just hand out Bayern Munich shirts next time and, and have it, <laughs> have it go that way? Yeah, that, that might be uh, one idea. Um, boys, do you think there was evidence to suggest that Rochdale had a game plan that deserved them the win at the end of the day? I don't necessarily know if there was a game plan that created a situation where they deserve the win, but I do know that irrespective of the level of competition, Deli Alley always seems to find the diving board. Um, <laughs> it's another one of those situations where we enter into the same thing where we get late in a match and Deli Alley is either looking for contact or just apparating it out of thin air. It's another, it's just, it's ridiculous. I think in one of those situations where you talk about the foreign players in the Premier League and how they get excoriated each and every time one of them appears to dive. Meanwhile, Deli Alley is starting his own Olympic level diving team at Spurs, and he somehow manages to get away with it with the Daily Mirror and Telegraph basically encouraging his behavior, not to mention his own head coach. Uh, I think the reality is that if you take away that dive and Kane's related penalty, if the argument is should Rochdale have won, their goal actually counted and was earned on merit. So it's one of those situations where, you know, I, I think but for a really impressive performance by Lucas Mora, I'm not necessarily sh- sure that Spurs actually win this match. Mm. You know, Kane came on in the end, Deli Alley came on in the end, Lamella came on in the end. And obviously Ali contrived alongside Kane, who scored, to create that penalty. But above and beyond that, I think for the first half of the match, probably the first 75 minutes, it was a situation where Lucas Mora was the one facet of Spurs' game plan that was actually working. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, again, I'm not necessarily sure that Rochdale had a plan that worked. I think they just had players that worked hard. Uh, you know, you look at players like. Stephen Humphreys, the before-named Andrew Cannon, <laughs> Jimmy McNulty. I love the wire reference associated with that. <laughs> uh, you know, you have a bunch of guys that are in League One that are scrapping, that are being completely and totally supported by their fans in a very tiny venue, and they really did give it their all. And I think the performance that they put in at the bare minimum, deserve the draw that they got. And we'll see what they do at Wembley. I think that their odds are going to be quite difficult. But again, as Wigan's match against Manchester City sort of demonstrated, anything's possible. Mm -hmm. Anything is possible. It'd be interesting to see. uh... It's a penalty, by the way. Good (laughs) grief. Uh, Right, boys, we're uh, we're back to you with this last one then. So uh, what do you think? I assume we're going to get a lovely opportunity to talk about VAR and crayon-colored lines across the pitch actually, for the United match. Believe it or not, we're not actually. No, that didn't make the list. Uh, again, surprised that it wasn't there. So, Jared, we're going to swing back to you. Uh, let's see. Um, the Chelsea destroying whole Tigers. That'll do it. Yep, that was the one. <laughs> yep. 
That will get you the single point. And yes, Chelsea stomped past Hull City Tigers. Hull City, Hull Tigers, whatever. Uh, four to nothing. Um, before, up to this point, and we even talked about it last week, there were talks of Antonio Conte being imminently fired. His job was over. They were already looking for replacements. Is that still a conversation here? Or has is there still murmurings of him being dismissed at some point soon? Well, I think, you know, you have... Giroud scores, um, so it's always good, you know, for the manager to have, you know, his January transfer come in and score, uh, not unlike, you know, Lucas Mora. Um, but when you look at it, I mean, actually a pretty even match statistically, uh, but, you know, except for the goal line, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, fifth round FA Cup, I think Chelsea are going to need – uh, a semi or maybe even an FA Cup final, uh, given the standards of that club in order for Conte to uh, hang around, coupled with coupled with a top four finish. I don't think one or the other uh, uh, keeps him around. I think he's going to need a very very strong push uh, here in the last few months, in in order to stay. And then you you look at the scoreline here. I mean, again, just the talent on this team. You got William scoring twice, Pedro, and then Giroud. Uh, this. The squad should be winning. Should be winning games. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, uh, and even today it was uh, good to see them take the lead against Barcelona. But then sadly, Messi came to the rescue for Barcelona. Anyway, um, boys, let me ask you this: Do you think Arsenal made a mistake by getting rid of Giroud? Well, I think in hindsight, it's pretty easy to say that they did, simply for the fact that you're talking about a situation where a week after Giroud left, Lacazette gets injured and is out for four to five weeks. It's a situation where if Lacazette stays healthy, I'm not necessarily sure where Giroud comes in. He might always be that late game player, but you're talking about a year that is occurring immediately before a World Cup. And Giroud obviously wanted some minutes. And I think the reality is you've got to look at that transfer from the perspective of Arsenal, which was they really had two options given the way that Chelsea were behaving in the transfer market, which were keep Giroud maintain a lineup focused on Lacazette and move forward or get Obama Yang. And it really seemed like Sven Mislintat and Wenger were pretty fixated on the Obama Yang transfer and Giroud was a hinge point in that. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I think the bigger frustration from an Arsenal perspective is as much as I love Olivier Giroud, it's another reality where Arsenal appear to be allowing the player to dictate the landing spot for his transfer. You know, This wasn't a situation where Chelsea was the only team that was interested in Olivier Giroud. There was interest from teams in France, and there was also interest from Dortmund, not to mention interest from teams within the Premier League like West Ham and other clubs. And it's another situation where Olivier Giroud wanted to be in London. He wanted to maintain the location where his family are located, where his kids go to school. And that's great, but Arsenal are in the charitable business. This is a situation where I think the most frustrating aspect of the Olivier Giroud transfer is the fact that he went to Chelsea, a team that, although they're up, I believe, eight points on Arsenal on the table right now, were a team that were in free fall previously. Mm. So it's not like this was a squad that was already going to be light years ahead of Arsenal by the end of the season. And to Jared's earlier point, Chelsea's upcoming, upcoming schedule is Man United away, Man City away, Palace at home, Barcelona away, Leicester away, Burnley away, Tottenham at home. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a nasty murderer's row that's going to occur between February 25th and April 1st. So basically over the course of a month, 
Chelsea are going to play almost every team in the top four. And Barcelona, not to mention Leicester away and Burnley away. And it's a situation where they're going to drop points. And all Arsenal did by transferring Olivier Giroud to Chelsea is allow them another weapon amidst their arsenal of weapons to turn around and somehow steal a point or two more out of that and ensure that Arsenal aren't going to be at the top four at the end of the year. Uh, right, let's uh, let's swiftly move on then to our uh, to our last game uh, this week, which is of course another round of team profile. Since it's an FA Cup edition, uh, so same thing again. I'm going to give five clues to different FA Cup teams. Uh, the big clue for all of these teams is that the teams are all still in it, um, and again, each clue, as usual, will be easier than the last. Uh, first person as usual to shout their name and correctly guess said player will win the points. But you have one guess. As an incorrect shot will freeze you out. Right, we have five teams, so here we go with team number one. Uh, they beat a team 4-0 during their FA Cup campaign. They have not conceded a single goal in the FA Cup rounds. They scored within two minutes over the weekend. Yes. Oh, Jared. yes, boys. I heard boys. I heard boys this time. <laughs> Chelsea. Uh, it is not Chelsea, no. So that will <clears> freeze <throat> you out. Uh, Jared, the last clues for you. A current Premier League team and are managed by Jose Mourinho. Manchester United. Manchester United is absolutely correct. Yes, and that will get you the two points. And we're on to number two. This next team is not a Premier League club. They tied over the weekend. They played Premier League opposition over the weekend. Boys. Yes, boys. Cheers. Rochdale. It is not Rochdale. No, uh, frozen out again. Oh, these are stingers this week. Um, so the remaining clues... Sheffield Wednesday. He didn't even need the others. Spam. look at that. <laughs> that is correct. So the other clues, just in case you're wondering, um, have only scored five goals in the FA Cup campaign and are named after a day of the week. Um, that last one might have done it. Um, T number three. Have won FA Cup games by a single goal margin. Currently fighting relegation in their league. Located in the south of England. Jared. Yes, Jared. That is Rochdale. That is not Rochdale, no. These, oh, are, these no. are good, yeah. So, boys, your last two clues. A current Premier League team and knocked out West Brom over the weekend. Southampton. That'll do it. Yep, Southampton is absolutely correct. And that will get you the two points. We have two teams left. And team number four have scored 14 goals in the FA Cup thus far. Were founded in 1907. Have a blue and white badge. Boys. Yes, boys. Chelsea. <laughs> this is great this week. No, that is incorrect. <coughs> Man, I'm getting you guys good this week. Um... So, Jared, the last two clues, not in the Premier League, and played Spurs over the weekend. <laughs> that is Rochdale. That is absolutely Rochdale. I was thinking, man, they're just going to keep guessing Rochdale for each of these clues. Eventually, they'll get it. Um, anyway, yes, that is the correct answer. Final one, then. Uh, haven't conceded since round four. Had an FA Cup game go to penalties. They are a current Premier League team. Jared. Yes, Jared. Swans. 
Not the Swans. No, that was a good guess. Um, Boyce, your last two clues. Put four goals past opposition on the weekend. Known as the Blues. <laughs> hey, it's Chelsea. Hey, you might be right. Yeah. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. I feel like you guys had the teams and we're just trying to kind of fit them in, seeing which one goes where. Um, <clears throat> so you got the teams right, just in the wrong order. Uh, anyway, yes, and that is the game, and congratulations, Jared. You have come away with nine points. Boyce, sadly, has only come away with seven. Jared, how do you feel? Uh, I'll feel I'll feel better after after a Wembley replay. <laughs> that goes, I hope. That goes Spurs' <laughs> way, hopefully. Um, well, here's a quick question then for you guys in our new segment. Question for the pundits. Um, it was rumored recently that the bosses of the Premier League while they were locking in the rights uh, for the future games for the TV fans in the UK, they were looking to get the games moved to a later time that would allow more US fans to obviously wake up at a decent hour and have a chance to watch them. So we're talking like afternoon time. Um, l- let me ask this to Boyce first. Do you, think, do you think it's a good idea that they do that? Or do you think it's perhaps cause for concern? I'm not necessarily sure that it's cause for concern. I think that it fails to recognize the overwhelming presence of football during a large portion of the Premier League season. Okay. And not only college football, but also college basketball for uh, universities that are interested in such a sport. The reality is the biggest issues that we've had from a Casey Gunner's watch party perspective have always been for matches that are later on in the day. The 11.30 matches are great for uh, people having a chance to sleep in, but the reality is that they start to interfere with other sports throughout the afternoon, and that can cause issues for supporters clubs throughout the U.S. It won't be as much of an issue, I think, for Pacific time zone-related problems, but it will certainly be for us. Mm. You know, It's a situation where if you're talking about anything later than 11.30, on a Saturday, if you're starting to get into 1.45 where you're in Champions League time, I think that's going to create issues. And I think it will actually do more to harm attendance at Premier League watch parties within the United States than what it'll actually do to increase it. Interesting. Yeah. Because um, I've always been on the mindset that um, people don't want to get up at you know 6 a.m. like a Spurs Arsenal two times uh, this season. Had to get up very early to watch the games and uh, got to, again... Praise the turnouts, but a lot of people are like, oh, why would I get up at that time? It's ridiculous. Um, so, Jerry, what do you think about this uh, this uh, conversation? <clears throat> well, I think it also fails to kind of acknowledge, and you could probably speak to this, James, um, changing the times uh, locally. I mean, you can imagine uh, a North London derby that doesn't kick off until sometime in the, you know, in the late evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, over there, uh, I, I imagine that might cause some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of nightmare. <laughs> yeah. um, I wonder what the effect would be uh, on on the local municipalities uh, because now you're talking about changing something that's pretty routine uh, as far as traveling and you know the organization of traveling for fans uh, uh, over, over there. I I don't know. I I really I kind of echo voice here. I don't particularly see the benefits um uh, of, of of moving moving it to accommodate uh, uh americans watching it uh we will tune in and we will watch yeah i think that's i think that's honestly the right point i mean if the fans here are passionate enough about the sport then you know 
getting up at 4am, 5am. I mean, obviously you get teams that are in a certain time zone where they are getting up at 4am and they're still doing it. And so uh, I guess time will tell. Um, but anyway, yeah, listeners, give us your questions. Uh, send them via Facebook page, Twitter account at Kick Corner Flag. And, of course, you can message via our website, uh, www.kickflag.com. Guys, any final thoughts? Until next week, sir. Until next week, boys. Looking forward to winning a fourth trophy on Spurs' present home ground in the last decade. <laughs> Going to be a fun Sunday at Wembley. Oh, gosh. I think Jared will echo this thought that I'm hoping that doesn't happen because the Arsenal onslaught will be terrific. But, again, we'll see. Uh, right, that's all we have time for. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And until next time.